Na 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 Batman's dad. Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father issues from media, from movies, from TV shows, from books, from comic books that make us cry, that make us miss our fathers. I guess my name's Dominic Archer, and with me, as always, is David Bryan. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm pretty good, Don. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm annoyed that I messed up the intro twice, but no one needs to know about it. It's <laughs> no fine. No one's ever going to hear fine. that. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. It mysteriously uh, shows up somewhere on the internet. No one's oh, going to find out. Yeah, which if I know Steve, I'm ready to definitely will. But what, what's been going on with you this week? Did you, did you see your dad this week? Uh, not this week. No, I didn't see my dad this week. I've not seen him for a, maybe a couple of weeks now. It's, it's kind of sad, isn't it? That, that is a little bit sad, but I, mean, I, I don't haven't... have the excuse. Yeah, I have to have this, the excuse you have, where you're yes. thousands and thousands of miles away. Yes, my I haven't seen my dad in months. Away. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, it's okay. I don't miss him or anything. Oh no, I do. I do it's miss fine, him. I talk to my dad all the time. He's always sending me a message about something ridiculous. So. That's good. Yesterday he sent me a big message about how amazing it was that China is progressing so fast. So I turned round and slapped him. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know, Dad. (laughs) He said, I watched a TED talk. It was really good. It spoke all about how how quickly China's economy has developed from, from 20 years ago when people were living on $2 a day to now. And I said, nah, was how I responded to that. That's a good argument. I'm sure you had nothing to come back to with that. No, no. Actually, yeah, we, we had a, a very interesting discussion, as we normally do. But what is our topic today, Dave? What are we going to talk about? Today, Dom, as far as, uh, as I am aware, we're talking about um, a, a father who, through no action or fault of his own, or maybe he did, who knows, um, spawned a, a, a vigilante crime fighter who... Uh, mm. Who has terror, who terrorizes criminals from the shadows? Is that right? That's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you hit the nail <laughs> on the head there. Yeah. We're trying to keep it vague, even though I'm sure everyone, if they've read the title of the podcast, knows what this uh, episode's about. Yeah, we're, we're talking about Thomas Wayne, the father of, of Bruce Wayne, of Batman, and the many, many, many times that this guy has died. Um, we've we've generally said to each other that we think that Thomas Wayne is probably the person who has died the most on screen. Um, ex- <laughs> yeah. Except for like a movie like Groundhog Day, because that doesn't count. That's like a time loop. But Thomas Wayne, because there are so many different iterations of, of Batman, like so many different movies or cartoons or e- even in the comics, like Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne die in all of them. There is not a Batman movie that at some point doesn't flashback to Thomas Wayne getting shot in an alleyway. So I guess today we're going to talk about those different versions of Thomas Wayne, um, talk about a little bit about him as a character, I guess, which one of the movies do the most justice to the death and his his lasting impact, I guess. Um, sure. Yeah. But before we do that, we should, I guess, do a bit of, bit of background on Thomas Wayne. Do you want to do some background on Thomas Wayne or shall I do oh, a little bit? I think you are the man most qualified for this, Dominic. Oh well, that, you are you are far too kind. Well, I will take the the general uh, rather than going for like a specific version because in DC Comics they reset the universe so many times that there are like a hundred different versions of of Thomas Wayne as well. I'm but sure, if we were just yeah. going to take like 
a standard, if we're talking about like a standard Batman, what people think of when they think of Batman, then the father of Thomas Wayne is normally a handsome, moustached man. He's always got a moustache in almost every incarnation. A thick, beautiful moustache. Um, because this is going back to when he was first conceived, I guess, back in the 30s and 40s, where all good men had moustaches. <laughs> all men had moustaches. Y- yeah, you weren't even a man. If you weren't wearing a hat or a moustache, mu- is a moustache just a hat for the lips? <laughs> I suppose, although it's, it's a bit harder to remove and to put back on. Mm, maybe. I think that's, what's that, that's what makes it kind of a, a manly endeavour, is that it takes a bit of growth, patience, it time, does. and testosterone. And it without does. those things, it can't be done. Now, I've been, I've been growing moustaches, because my beard gets really, really patchy. I'm not very fond of it. But I'm very fond of my moustache, right? But every time I shave a moustache, whichever girl I'm with is like, oh! no, I don't like moustaches. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Like, I don't want to get into a fight over a moustache. But one day, <laughs> Dave, one day, I'm just going to do it. And it's going to be great. For a beautiful, blonde, Oliver oh. Queen moustache. Oh, I mean, it's going to be ginger because all of my facial hair is ginger. <laughs> but but we're, we're, we're forgetting. Back to Thomas Wayne. So he, his moustache is better than mine will ever be. Um, in the, in the, the most common version of Thomas Wayne, he, like Bruce Wayne is, you know, a, a millionaire or a billionaire, depending upon upon the version. But what's special about Thomas Wayne is that while other versions, uh, while other Waynes before him and Bruce after him kind of lord in the fact that they are uh, millionaires, that they are the head of Wayne Enterprises, you know, the, the great business that, that the Waynes are um, in charge of, Thomas Wayne foregoes all of that and studies to become a doctor. And this is where we get our first kind of uh, feeling of, you know, who is Thomas Wayne? Well, he's a man who is rich enough to do anything. But what he does is studies and works hard to become a doctor so that he can help people, so that he can heal people. And this is where we get uh, the baseline for for Batman's morality comes from his father, who was willing to to give up everything, to give up a powerful position at the head of a conglomerate so that he could help people who were sick, who were injured. Um, And generally, from all accounts, he was a pretty good doctor. Um, There's a, a, a bunch of times where we have flashbacks to Thomas Wayne where lots of different characters interact with Thomas Wayne um, because, you know, someone's been shot and they always go to Thomas Wayne because he's, you know, he's the doctor in, in Gotham that, that everyone knows. Um, but what's also kind of special about him is, yes, he is a doctor, but he's also a major philanthropist. And there are multiple comics and movies where they say that, it, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne were really the heart and soul of Gotham. And they weren't yeah, famous. Yeah. They weren't famous because they were business people. They were famous because they... You know, they used their their position of power to help as many people as they could as philanthropists as well as doctors. And they say it was often in different comics that were like the death of uh, of Thomas and Martha Wayne was what brought Gotham down to the corrupted state it is when Bruce yes, Wayne decides yeah. to become Batman. So, yeah. So, oh, so Bruce and Martha Wayne, um, they have a young son named Bruce who who they love very much. And one day they take Bruce to a cinema. What's it called? It's called the, I should know this, the Monarch Theatre. They take Bruce well to, the Mon- to the Monarch Theatre to watch The Mask of Zorro. Um, 
And Interesting. Yes, they watched the Mask of Zorro because again, this character it was created in like nineteen thirty nine, I think. Um, so this is still drawing the transitional page between masked adventurers like Zorro or the Scarlet Pimpernel or someone like that, and then the superhero genre, which was only just starting to exist. So at this point, you wouldn't have gone, oh, that's a superhero. You would have just gone, Batman is a bit like Zorro or something like that. So the idea of Zorro was used as another inspiration for Bruce Wayne to put on a mask and, yeah, that, and to become Batman. Yeah, that's interesting. I know. Yeah. I noticed that in the, the very first time where you ever see the, uh, the Wayne's death, and I think there's a, a cartoon in the 80s called The Superpowers yes. Team, um, they come out of a cinema that's showing Robin Hood which is not, interesting. Which is yeah, interesting. It's in a similar kind of masked uh, hero who goes against you know uh, goes against crime in a different way. But yeah, it's interesting how they do that. And I wondered, I was going to ask whether the Mask of Zorro was a something that was taken from the original material because of all the other instances I've seen in TV and film, it always seems to be the Mask of Zorro, or at least there's some kind of reference to the Mask of Zorro. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. That's... It's it's pretty consistently the Mask of Zorro. Yeah. Except uh, for Batman Begins. Yes. Where they go we, to the opera instead. Yeah, they go to the opera, yeah. Um, so they, they leave the Mask of Zorro. Uh, Bruce, young Bruce Wayne is jumping around pretending to be Zorro. They take a shortcut to go down an alleyway. And when they go down the alleyway, there is the, the mugger. And the mugger famously uh, kills Thomas and, and Martha Wayne and leaves Bruce to, to mourn over their bodies and flees. Uh, who the mugger is changes in different versions, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Um, yeah. But it's, it's after this inciting incident that Bruce Wayne goes away and, and, and becomes Batman. So um, where do you want to begin? Do you want to go chronologically from the versions that, that we've looked at? Or should we just pick a favourite and go with it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I did. Uh, I kind of tried to find as many instances as, as I could where we've seen this mm. on screen. Um, I tried to focus mostly on on the cartoons and on the, on the movies. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see how these are things are portrayed in a different way. Um, whether it's just because of time constraints where they're often showed as little cut blacks or flashbacks or, or like we saw in um, Batman vs Superman, like an opening credit sequence, yeah. almost like a montage uh, just to sort of keep it, throw us back up to date. But what I was really interested in was trying to see how Thomas Wayne was portrayed and his behavior, mm-hmm. especially in every, pretty much everything but except Batman Begins. Because yes. to my memory, Batman Begins is the only one where the the relationship between Thomas and Bruce Wayne is, a, is expanded a bit more. And we do get to see a lot more of, of the philanthropy of the Waynes and get a sense of who his father was. Whereas, like I say, everything else is like a little flashback to... Mm. It, like in you know, Batman Forever where Bruce is standing in front of a fire and he has kind of like a little flashback and... Mm. Then he just, and it's all kind of like stylized because it's in th- through the veil of his memory as opposed to, you know, actually as the audience seeing it happen as if it's in real time, which yeah. is a bit more like what happens in in Batman Begins. But like I, I know we spoke a bit about uh, in the last episode about The Lion King, about Mufasa being this uh, like a, a very heroic, strong, almost traditionally paternal and uh, like a, a role model that kind of applies to most paradigms whereas i really wanted to see whether that applied to thomas wayne and was he a hero that you mourn as a member of the audience if you relate to bruce character in that scene or is there more to it um because i i found that quite often it's just a case of it's about bruce it's not about thomas in these little flashback sequences Hmm. it's often just yeah very quickly bang bang there are some there are some interesting 
um, elements that transfer between so many different iterations and and you being the, the more of the comics expert i wanted to ask where these things sort of come from um for example i'll start with what's with the pearl necklace what's with martha's necklace and why have we do we see that in nearly every iteration of this parents dying the necklace is something that the, the mugger goes for and yes. usually it breaks and normally the pearls fling off in the air and fall yes. to the ground in slow motion what, what, what's that about dom Okay, so I think the the pearls I think touch on something really important, which is kind of what what you were alluding to, and one one of the things I really want to talk about is depending upon the media in which we are seeing the death of Thomas uh, and and Martha Wayne, it really changes the firstly the level of brutality that is involved in their deaths, and also the amount of aggression that Thomas Wayne uh, shows in in the mugging. Because one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that, um, again, depending upon which one you are watching, you either have a meeker Thomas Wayne who is like, okay, let's just take this calm and, and, and deal with it. Or you Thomas Wayne fucking lunges for the guy. Yeah and, yeah, and but that is a really important moment because that shifts the responsibility of the mugging. So that uh, I, I would like to get deeper into the into the specific ones later on. But if we compare, for example, the mugging in Batman Begins to the mugging in Batman versus Superman, um, we have Thomas Wayne in in this particular scene is very much he is uh, Christopher Nolan like shows him to be a, a calmer. Um, a more you know uh, inspirational figure who is um, who when when they are mugged he seems to have a kind of understanding because again he's always been saying to Bruce these kind of you know there are people who are not as fortunate as us kind of things right so so when this yeah he's very happens, empathetic yes he's empathetic to the situation it's like it's okay uh, stay calm we're going to give you what you want and then you can get because again right he's Thomas Wayne the guy is a billionaire being mugged in the street is like whatever right they'll lose the cash in their wallets yeah. they they lose the necklace that's a shame but ultimately they go home like well they can just take open the vault and they haven't really lost anything right so what <laughs> yeah, do the sure. waynes have to lose in this situation being mugged is traumatic and and it sucks but there's no need to be aggressive because you've got nothing to lose once yeah. they go out the other side of the alleyway alfred will be there waiting for them in the car so great that alfred will it's not like they have to struggle to get home right so so you you have the the calm thomas wayne who in batman begins and um the the mugger panics and and shoots them both um we can therefore say that joe chill the the mugger is the one who is to blame then if we swing that across oh and then there are later things in batman begins that say it was an assassination or whatever but forgetting about that if we yeah, then sure. switch that across to batman versus superman we have Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who never plays a good guy. Like, he, like when you see Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you instantly go, ah, oh, he's going to try and kill someone, isn't he? Like, it's just like it's just his character. Not even even in, in a couple of rom-coms he's been in. Yeah, or even in, like, even in The Losers, right? In The Losers, he's kind of meant to be the good guy. And yeah, he's just a cool, badass leader guy. Yeah, but he's still going to kill everyone. He's still dangerous. Yeah. That's why he's the leader of The Losers, right? So when you see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne and, and he the, they become mugged... Um, Thomas Wayne lunges towards Joe Chill to try and, you know, beat him up, 
I guess. Yeah. But that shifts the responsibility. Then the it's not the mugger who obviously the mugger shot them, so you know it, he's still a murderer. But had yeah, Thomas but he was, Wayne uh, not antagonized? Yes, exactly. Had Thomas Wayne not gone to attack him, it could have gone in a different way. Or well, we've seen so many bloody different versions of it. I guess that they could. It was always going to end that way anyway, I suppose. But if we take those scenes, uh, you know, in particular and analyze them, then you know the, the behavior of Thomas Wayne really does shift. You know. Who should Bruce blame for for the death of his father? Which is a theme. Maybe we should just get into Batman Begins, right? Because yeah, there's, a, is, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there is because I think, uh, as you were saying, it's kind of the by far the most in depth evaluation of of Thomas Wayne, the impact he had on Bruce, but also yeah. the impact that he had on Gotham, because that is one of the big themes that is running throughout Batman Begins. Is not just oh my parents are dead, but the effect that that had on the city that they were almost custodians over as well as, as everything else. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there, there, earlier on, we were talking about the scene um, and, and who was to blame. And uh, off, off pod, we were talking about, there is a scene <laughs> when, when Bruce Wayne is training to uh, become Batman. He's training with, with Liam Neeson. Dave, what, what does Liam Neeson say about Thomas Wayne on, when they are training? Oh yes, so it's, it's, that's a really cool scene. I think it's the sequence where they're they're sort of dueling on a frozen lake, right? Mm. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the the League of Shadows have recruited Bruce from like some prison in the Tibetan mountains or whatever um, to be what they're sort of um, sort of their, 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 the the pinnacle of their force to uh, do whatever their dastardly plot turns yeah. out to be. Um, but he says. Like they're unpack- I think he's unpacking Bruce's motivations and Bruce's rage and Bruce's un- un- unresolved issues. And he says, um, you, were, uh, you were not to blame for your parents' death. And Bruce, you know, they carry on dueling for a bit. And mm-hmm. he's, Liam Neeson, in his, in his awesome way, is being all calm and like just swatting Bruce yeah. down. Yeah. And he punctuates it and says, your father was. And this, like, mm. fa- this fire burns in Bruce's eyes. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, angle for for Liam Neeson. Well, let's just call him Rachel Gould. We know he's Rachel Gould. Um, for for him to come from there, because again, we as we were saying earlier on, we are shown in Batman Begins that Thomas Wayne is, you know, is cool and calm and more empathetic. Yeah. So we, we've 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 deliberately seen that he didn't antagonize Joe Chill. That the murder happened regardless of um of uh you know him trying to become the murder still happened. yeah all he so, does is like it's when it's when joe chill t- takes a gun from thomas wayne and swings it to martha wayne because he sees yes. the pearls and he's like yes i, I said jewelry because that's after because uh, thomas wayne hands him the wallet yes joe chill is obviously nervous and it goes some way to show that he's maybe not a bad guy he's not evil he's not this money yeah. people for the fun of it he kind of needs this and he's a bit shaky he drops the wallet and swings the gun over to Martha because he wants the pe- necklace too. And that's when Thomas Wayne, he just steps in front of her. He's like, hey, no. And yeah. he, he kind of, Joe Chill panics and just shoots. And then he's like, well, shit. Now what do I do? Like, And then shoots Martha as well. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very much, uh, not it's, you can't put any blame on Thomas Wayne for it, but he, you know, that sort of, it's like they say, no sudden movements. It's yes, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Itchy trigger finger. Yeah, yeah. And so what, what Rachel Gould is saying in that scene is, 
if his father had acted more decisively, had actually tried to take control of the situation rather than leaving yeah. control to Joe Chill, then the tragedy wouldn't have happened. It was through cowardice that that uh, Thomas Wayne allowed the, the, the murder to happen. Yeah. Um, which is kind dark. of interesting. Yeah, it, it is dark. But, I mean, again, we can compare that to the other versions that we have seen where Thomas Wayne does step forward and try to take control of the situation and the guy still dies. So... Yeah. It's uh, a bit I, like I, a Groundhog Day situation where if you can imagine yeah. Thomas Wayne is reliving this over and over again, no matter what he does, him and Martha always die. Yes, so, they're oh, in almost Martha, all so, iterations. In, yeah. in, all, in all but one, which yes. we know about with, with Flashpoint, but yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll come like on to that ma- later as well. Yeah, yeah, nothing he can do can really change the outcome of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Who is the actor who plays Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins? Do you know? Uh, his name is Linus Roach. What? I have never heard of Linus Roach before. What do you I think know of... Him, he's also in... He's one of the... Um, what are those weird race of aliens from the Chronicles of Riddick? Uh, with the, the weird grey armour. He's one of those guys... Oh, is it the Necrocrons? Necro, something like that? Necromancers or something. No, yeah, necro, yeah, yeah. Necrophily? No, not necro, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> something, something like something that. Necro, Lionel Roach necro. is a necrophiliac. Let's just yeah. put that out there because right now. Yeah. He's like the, the emissary to this... <laughs> There's a, he's like the emissary to the, yeah, this race of aliens who are all like powerful warriors and... Um, yeah. Con Fiori is their, their general, who's like a big dude. And then this scrawny little guy, Linus Roach, is like the guy who swans in to, pla- right. to planets and goes, you, uh, what's the, what do they call um, They just make everyone give in and like, yeah. um, bow, yeah. don't they, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it turns out that he is of the same race as Riddick and he sort of kills himself out of yeah. shame by walking out into that planet of fire and he's like, he just falls yeah. and, and crumbles. Oh, that's a great scene. Man, that a great is scene a big... in, a, in a not a great movie, but I still love that movie. I don't care. I'm I'd, no, I, yeah, I've I've got nothing to hold against you there. I think the Chronicles of Riddick is like an underappreciated movie for what it is. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's but, no Pitch Black. Pitch Black is a quality alien monster movie, and then Chronicles of Riddick is a is a decent sci-fi movie. But Tim, I think what's re- for that what's, character. But yeah, what's really cool about that is that they they were willing to completely change the genre of the movie, right? They were like, okay, yeah. so we've done, we've done like a small horror film. Now we're going to do an intergalactic fucking adventure film yeah. about... Yeah, but that's, bas- a, that's the... Sorry, go on. Uh, so they're basically, they're the Borg, right? The, the necro... Yeah, they assimilate... Necrophiliacs. Yeah. They're, they're basically going around like, <laughs> the Borg, like the Borg and fucking everyone to death. Um, yeah. But, how but yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Linus I, I, yeah, Linus I just Roach. keep talking about the Chronicles of Riddick. Let's get back let's get back to Thomas Wayne. <laughs> so so Lionel Roach, what do we think of his performance as as Thomas Wayne in this movie? I think it, it's it's great, but then I, I just was thinking as you were talking about what Thomas Wayne is typically portrayed as, he was vastly different from any other iteration. Like mm. I was looking at the, the how Thomas Wayne looks in the comics and in the in the old cartoons. He always looks like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Um which was a good bit of casting on Zack Snyder's part for Dawn of, uh, Dawn of Justice, but yeah, casting. I think I think if you're gonna, if Christopher Nolan wanted to sort of ch- change the portrayal of Thomas Wayne to be something very specific, and like you said, to have a very specific impact on the morality of Bruce Wayne mm. and um, what he would become, it was a really good, really good bit of casting because that actor does a thing. He does a really good job of portraying that kind of character. Um, why, why did you ask? What did you think? 
I yeah, I really like what they do with with Thomas Wayne in this one because from this they I think what's really great about the Christopher Nolan movies is that they they look at uh, Batman and say right, what is good thematically about this character and how can we apply that to a film? Like they yes. don't tr- they don't try and do the Zack Snyder stuff where they just go, okay, we're going to take all of this and then we're just going to throw it on the screen and then none of it works, right? <laughs> throw it against the green screen and see what sticks. Yes, yeah, exactly. With, with Christopher oh, Nolan, he's he's taken the essence of the Thomas Wayne character and the the thematic value of when it's best expressed in the comics and then built a movie structure around that, which is why I'm generally of the opinion that the best comic book movies aren't the adaptations. They're the ones where you take the truth of the characters and put them on screen, which yeah, is I like, agree with you. yeah, which I think is the difference between say Iron Man and then uh, what's, what's a, a good example of, of a counter to that. Um, I guess Dawn of Justice is, is a perfect example because although it's supposed to be an original story, you're looking at five different graphic novels all happening at the same time. Um, yeah. If they had just taken the essence and truth of the characters and rather than trying to go, oh, it's every Batman and Superman book you've ever read, then you would have had like, uh, you know, uh, it would have been you know a, a better film. So I, I really like the, the Christopher Nolan one again because this is... I don't look at the Jeffrey Dean Morgan one and go, that guy is a philanthropist doctor, right? You no. look at him and go, that guy is an ex-boxer who, you know, he probably, he had so much money, he used to ride around Africa with an elephant rifle, just, you know, hunting yeah. lions or something. I, like. I don't know how much of it is, um, how much his bias is based on the fact that we, it's hard to, these days, I think, just for anyone to watch a film and not recognise an actor and, and your brain yeah, to associate yeah, yeah. with their, their previous roles. So I, I don't look at Jeffrey Dean Morgan and, and assume that he is a, a yeah, philanthropic, empathetic, yes, nice guy. Like I look at him, like he just looks like someone who can take care of himself. Like yes, he looks like yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. who would swing a punch at a guy carrying a gun, <laughs> and yeah. and not someone who operates more with his heart and with his mind than mm. with his body and his fists. Yeah. But then also because he still looks like the comedian to me. And he's still got the mustache. Yeah, kind of, that that is a problem. To, that is yeah. hard to detach. Yeah, but I I I really like the the Christopher Nolan version or the, the Lionel Roach version because we we can see him multiple times throughout. And what's really great about that character is there is a strong connection between him and Bruce Wayne, which you don't get in the Ben Affleck Batman ones because we constantly come back to American Psycho Batman and Lionel. Roach like we we see Bruce Wayne as he gets older and he also kind of looks like Thomas Wayne right as he grows up um yeah their their, their appearances are, are pretty similar and we there is that feeling of what Batman wants to do is to f- fulfill his family's legacy in that movie but the more he tries to uh avenge his parents the further away he becomes from what they were and he loses yeah. sight of being the good man that his father was as he descends into becoming a ninja bat right like that <laughs> you know and that, i think that's a, a really interesting thing but like he wants to help people like his father did but in doing that the whole world goes insane yeah well and, and also superficially 
uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can imagine the, the Bruce Wayne, uh, the Ben Affleck Bruce Wayne, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Thomas Wayne are about the same size and shape, so you kind of get that. How yeah. did Christian Bale Batman? Be, how is he a descendant of Linus Roach and uh, I don't know the name of the actress? Batman Begins, that he has much of a, a part the Martha Wayne in, in Batman Begins, but they're like you know skinny, scrawny, not very big people. Yeah, but that's <laughs> one of the just, things that's really good is it about it. Just the it, working I think. out, just yeah, the working yeah, but, out, yeah, that's yeah, made yeah. him so much different. Yeah, because that really goes to the heart of the character of Batman, right? If your dad is a genetic Hercules and then you are a genetic Hercules, then we can look at it and go, well, you know, he, he just comes from a stocky family, right? Whereas when yeah. you look you look at Thomas Wayne, exactly as you're saying, he doesn't look like the kind of guy who's ever been in a fight. Because he hasn't, right? He's a billionaire. Like, he's not the kind of guy who needs to take care of himself in any situation. So when this mugging happens, it's like, yeah. of course he's not going to resort to violence because he's never had to resort to violence in his life. This guy yeah, probably he looks like a, to... a pacifist. Yeah, exactly. He probably went to Harvard and, you know, probably donates lots of money to Democratic mayors and stuff like that. You know, it's like he's not a guy who is prepared to take care of himself because he's never had to until this one situation that costs him his life. But then you look at then you look at Bruce Wayne and he could have ended up going the same way. And we see like in the party boy things, we see like where that life could have led him anyway. But we also then see. It is through sheer will and effort that he transforms himself into Batman. That's what the whole first movie is about, I guess. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah it, he's not gifted incredible strength and you know genetic physical prowess. Like he has to work for it and chuck himself in a prison for you know like yeah. fighting inmates Fight. for ten years and then become you know all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, I have, a, I have a question for you then, Dom. Okay. If put, imagine your young Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And if you're leaving that, that theatre with your parents. Yeah. And then the, the chap with the gun steps out. Yeah. Which Thomas Wayne is your dad? I know we talked before about you've you have a dad and a stepdad, so yeah, I wonder I wonder which which one you imagine your dad to be. Is your dad the, the pacifist mm. who will just try and placate the assailant? Or yeah. is your dad a take action, save your family? No, I'm gonna guy? say I'm gonna say my dad because my dad has just uh finished his um he's just graduated as a counsellor, he's now a professional counsellor. So he is definitely the uh Christopher Nolan uh Thomas Wayne. Linus, who, yeah, Linus who, Roach. Yeah, Linus Roach, who will be trying to, you know, like, he, I understand where you're coming from, don't worry about it, it's going to be fine. But then if we look at my stepdad, he's going to be a hell of a lot closer, I think, to the Jeffrey Dean Morgan version. Not <laughs> <Is> o- <he? laughs> Yeah, not only because he uh, he really likes The Walking Dead, and so <laughs> he, might feel some, <laughs> he might feel some connection with, the, with that character anyway. But no, I think with with my stepdad, there's. Um, I don't think he's probably going to go that far. But he would be uh, perhaps more uh, more eager to you know, to, to f- physically confront the situation. I I feel. I think. What about you? Which one? Where do you feel your dad is on on that spectrum? I think it's a re- it's an interesting one because um, my dad used to be a policeman, mm. and my dad is a big big guy, as I mentioned before. So ex-copper policeman who had a mustache in the 90s while there he was go. on the beat. Yeah. Um, so Is your dad Thomas more... Wayne? <laughs> well, he's alive. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Thank uh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
but no, it's interesting. Like, yeah, my my dad entered this life of of law enforcement, even though he was he was uh, yeah, he wanted to be an artist, and mm. so he those kind of two worlds were very much in in dichotomy to each other. But he's always he's always good, would always have been the try and play the play it calm and try and talk his way and calm somebody down. He's I think he's not Linus Roach, Thomas Wayne in that. Linus Roach, the only way he, only way he's getting out of that situation, as Thomas Wayne is, with kindness. Mm. Whereas Jeffrey D. Morgan, the size of him, he may be, <laughs> like that's not like the worst decision he he made. Like he might have he might have done okay at that. And any other in yeah. another universe, maybe he got out of it. Whereas my dad could, he could take the the pacifistic route, and he would. That's his, that's more in his nature. But then if it didn't work, he's big enough and strong enough that he probably he would could maybe come out of the other situation fine okay so i it's all, that's it i always thought that i thought that was strange when i was looking at these these scenes again and thinking about what um because i mean this whole podcast is about about daddy issues and about our daddy issues and how yeah, definitely these these relationships make us feel about our relationships to our fathers mm. so i think and what what i think the the crux of all this research has brought me to is that the batman begins um, death of the Waynes is the one that affected me the most and always did um, partly because of the character of Thomas Wayne in this iteration but then also partly because you have to say partly because they actually spend more time building up that relationship yes. and they make, yes. they make you care a lot more because you know more about yeah. how Thomas and Bruce this relationship works and and things like that so I think I, I in terms of personality you lean, I'd lean more towards the uh, Batman Begins one but you know just in terms of pure mustachioed <laughs> um and 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 stature it, yeah it's it's more uh more thomas wayne but i never really related to that um that version of thomas wayne in terms of my own father mm. yeah yeah i see where you're coming from and i i definitely agree that the i think the christopher nolan one is the the one that raises the most empathy Exactly as you're saying, because we it's not a montage at the beginning of the film, right? It's not like a two, oh, look, they're happy. Oh, no, he's been shot. Who cares? Right? Like we, we spend yeah. the time to become invested in those characters. Um, I thought it was really interesting. You raised a point earlier on, but I ended up kind of skirting around it about the pearls, about Martha Wayne's pearls. And obviously, Martha Wayne has a huge impact upon different uh, incarnations of the character as well. But I think the pearls are... Um, an easy way of they've always been present in in the killing. The pearls are as present as Thomas and Martha Wayne, like they're they're always there. Um, yeah. Because again, it's the showcase of their wealth. I think that's one of the big differences with the Christopher Nolan version when they go to see the opera with the bats. Is again that establishes Bruce Wayne's fear of bats, but also and then connects that to the death of his parents. But also the fact is they are going to see an opera. Right, like these are yeah. rich, privileged people. Like they're going to see, not they're not going to some old school theater to watch the Mask of Zorro, like common people would. Like common they... people, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's strange like, that that's never been done before. Like Christopher Nolan and I think Jonathan Nolan, his brother, they wrote that yeah. script, didn't they? So yeah, it's it's interesting that that's been a that's kind of real glaring hole in in their characters. Is that well, if they're Especially in instances where we only see it in a brief moment. Like, you need to convey as much information about these people in a two or three minute flashback sequence yes. or whatever. 
Yes. And just having them go to the opera makes a, ma- a much ma- yeah, sorry, a massive difference. Yeah. yeah. Versus it, 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 going to the cinema. Yeah, it instantly establishes them as the elite, doesn't it? Like the fact that they're going exactly. to the opera. Yeah, and then like yes. they're est- Christopher Nolan is establishing so much in that scene. Like we're we're establishing the firstly they're going to the opera, then uh, Bruce Wayne has a fear of bats. Then his family die, so we get the interlinking between the fear of losing his parents and his fear of bats, which goes on to inspire him to become Batman. Then also, when Thomas Wayne, when they leave the opera because Bruce is scared, Martha Wayne is like, "Oh, Bruce, what did you do that for?" And Thomas Wayne takes the fall for it, right? It Thomas does, Wayne, yeah. Thomas Wayne is like, "Oh no, too much opera gets to my head," or something like that, right? And he's like, "Oh, it got too hot in there," or whatever. So again, that. Uh, further strengthens the the character of Thomas Wayne as a father who um he's got his son's back in these situations. Yeah, exactly. I thought Bruce that like, Wayne... you, you don't even need we didn't even need all that like that's a really clever bit of storytelling because even if yeah. it, this was a flashback sequence, you've instantly you've instantly um established that the kind of empathetic kindness of yes. of Thomas Wayne and just in that moment, like you could forget all the other scenes with him on like the train and him talking about what the Wayne Corporation has done, blah 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 yeah. blah, forgotten. Like it's it's all there in that two minute sequence, and that's uh, that's really good. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah that's it's a great thing yeah. that comes out of having an actually accomplished storyteller make yes. superhero movies. That like, yeah, you, that you, is you what happens forget. when Christopher Nolan does superhero movies over Zack Snyder does superhero movies, right? Yeah, like, exactly. like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Okay. Substance over style. Yeah. Yeah, that's just such a great movie. Okay, all right. Well, let's jump and talk about another version. Um, Because I think if we go to somewhere completely different, again, we're talking about how you are using that death, the death of the parents there. Christopher Nolan is using the death of the parents to influence the rest of the movie. If we jump to Batman 1989... Tim Burton yeah. Batman, Michael Keaton Batman, Jack Nicholson the Joker, we see Tim Burton attempt something similar, but that ends up being a bit wacky. Do you remember what happens in that version? Yeah, uh, well, I think so. It's it's, a, it's going back a ways now, and I've just seen a clip of it again recently, but we have a similar, like the, all the, the tropes are there. It's yeah. an alleyway, it's dark. Um, the 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 pearl necklace thing happens, yeah. Um, and this and in instance, this instance, Thomas Wayne does attempt to to fight back and defend his family, but yeah, doesn't go well. But it seems more like one thing I did notice watching it this recently is that the whoever this assailant is, this mugger, he seems to be like lying in wait for them. Yes, like he he, he it's more of an assassination than just a chance mugging. Yes, right. But but then that, I know that ties in with the plot of the of the film. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you yes. have to remind me. I can't remember. Did, did yeah. they, is it meant to be the Joker? Yeah, it is. Because in, in yeah. this mugging, right. in this mugging, the Joker, uh, the, the mugger says, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And yeah. everyone's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that have to yeah. do with anything? It um, becomes a really iconic quote in cinema history, but then no one, yeah. no one knows what it's about. Yeah, what, what you because it doesn't mean anything. He only no. says it so later in the movie when the Joker says the same thing, Batman could be like, "Oh, the Joker killed my parents!" Right? Like, oh, it's, that's that's weird. Yeah. I, I've I've only seen this version a couple of times, and I never really fell for like fell into it. I didn't really yeah. ever love it. But then I grew up, I grew up in the Schumacher era Batman movies. Sadly, yes. So I still have a soft spot for Forever, and obviously we can forget about yeah. the travesty that was uh, Batman versus uh, Batman and Robin. 
Yeah. But yeah, this one never really struck a chord with me, and I found it a bit hammy. And thank you for reminding me of that because that is that's kind of a bit weak. It right? it, it it is lame. Um, and you can see you can see what he's attempting to do here, but it it very much plays into what is actually a quite a common theme in in the comics as well is like the Batman created the Joker, right? Like the Batman is the yin and he needs the yang, and so Batman is responsible for the Joker becoming the Joker. That's like always in the origin stories now, um, and so we see the same thing in the Tim Burton ones, right? Like uh, if the you know, Jack Napier, as he was at the beginning, Jack Napier kills the Waynes, which inspires Bruce to become Batman, who then def- who then causes Jack Napier to become the Joker, who then kills the Joker, right? So it's like this idea of, you know, loop, like a, uh, an interconnecting storyline between these two characters. Um, but it's kind of a bit... Yeah, it, it, you really feel like if Christopher Nolan had been in there doing that, it would have been better. But his Joker was was far better anyway. Um, yeah, no yeah, but yeah, jumping from that one to the Schumacher ones because those um, those four. So we got Batman, nineteen eighty nine, uh, Batman Returns, uh, which I don't think the Waynes are particularly prominent in. Like we, we've dealt with the death of his parents in the first one, so it's not yeah that. It's I not don't think really they... brought up again. I don't think they show it again. Yeah. Then we have Batman Forever, where it is brought up again. This one is one of my favourites, actually. It's a really short scene, but I really like it. Yeah, I think it's done quite well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I like it because we've got the the, uh, Nicole Kidman character, Dr. Chase Meridian... Ugh. One of the worst names ever. Oh, my God. Jeez. Oh, you know, they wanted to put that character in Batman Returns. And and they were like, oh, no, we've got too much going on. So we'll save it for the next one. And you're like, you had like five years between those two movies. Did no one think it would be a good idea to change the name of the character between those two films? <laughs> um, Apparently but not. yeah, this, this psychologist is is, you know really interested in Batman and what made him become Batman and then she wants to have sex with Batman but also she's attracted to Bruce Wayne of course not knowing that they are one and the same until of course at the end of the movie that she does um and also then the Riddler is sticking blenders on people's heads and sucking their brains out (laughs) (laughs) I I, actually I'm gonna go on record here and say I really like Batman Forever. <laughs> I, 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 really I actually, like I, I'll join you. I quite enjoy Batman yeah. Forever. Because one of the things I really like about that film is it's kind of the opposite of the X-Men thing that I was saying. I was saying, I get off pod, I think. I was saying about how the in like previous superhero movies, they were almost ashamed of the fact that they were superheroes. You could see that a little yeah. bit in the Tim Burton ones where Tim Burton, like he doesn't really want to embrace the ridiculousness of the situation. Right. Whereas, uh, Joel Schumacher is kind of like, get me all the skin tight latex you can and get me Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah, and also <laughs> nipples. We need nipples. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have more of a problem with that, but I feel like Batman forever <laughs> is more like, is before Joel Schumacher has indulged his fetish thing and is more kind of... It's a, a fair version of the character. It's a better version of Batman than I think the Christopher Nolan one is because the Christopher Nolan one goes, okay, what if Batman existed in the real world? And Batman versus Superman goes, what if Batman existed uh, in hell? And then this one basically goes, okay, what if we just did Batman... Uh, as a ridiculous comic book character, the kind of ridiculous comic book character that he is. 
Um, and it's he's funny, but not a clown like Batman and Robin. And yeah, I think it's a really, a really, really fair representation of the character. Um, and the thing uh, I really like is that the Thomas Wayne death scene. It's really short. It's really quick. I think he's making out with uh, with Nicole Kidman, and then he has this flashback thing. Um, and the thing I really like about it is how melodramatic it is. Um, you you know, he's not. We don't spend ten minutes doing it. It's like the the rose, the kiss from a rose falls <laughs> fall, falls falls on like the top of the coffin or something. Um, and then that's basically it, right? But it's like a very short melodramatic scene. They're just like it's supposed to be like a, a baseball bat in the gut to like, to show this is how this character feels and how traumatized he still is. Yeah, and it's kind of like hyper stylized and, and gothic, which is very another very strong element of that mm. of that movie. And they have that moment right at the end of the flashback when when Bruce is standing over the, his the failed bodies of his parents, and there's a spotlight. Yes, them. yes, very much like uh, sort of harking to the the sort of circus theme of the of the movie, and you know yeah. another, pa- another powerful death scene in that film with the um. The Graysons at the circus. Yes, yeah, the death of the flying Graysons. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. I I hadn't put that together. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, in terms of um, like being um, affected by a father son relationship in Batman Forever, because it, like in a lot of instances with Batman, we see it in this in flashback, and it's like, oh yeah, just to remind you, his parents were dead, and yeah. he was a boy, and it was tragic, yeah. and it led him to where he is now. With the Graysons, we actually have. Even again, even though that's, that circus scene is fairly short, we, they still build up that there is a family element here and they have a bit of banter, all the graces up in the, um, the, the scaffolding stuff at the top of the yeah. circus top. And when they, when they die, that is a much more affecting death in that film than the main character's uh, the tragedy in his life. Oh, definitely, yeah, because he, no, it's slow, it's long. It's, they they it fall long, from yeah. great height, right? And yeah. 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 It's tragic, and the, and even though Chris O'Donnell looks about twenty eight, he's supposed to be like what, yeah, fifteen or something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's also you know, I think you you feel it more with him because then he has that kind of like tragic teenage angst response to it for the rest of the movie, where he's yes. just like, huh, my parents died, and <laughs> Bruce trying to sort of be a father to him too. Yeah, so I've been through this, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I really like. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go and rewatch Batman Forever. And next time, next time we do a pod, we'll we'll talk about is Batman Forever actually any good? Um, we'll just uh, put that as a little extra segment at the beginning as uh, to revisit <laughs> this film and see if yeah. you know our nostalgia for it um, actually holds up. Okay, <laughs> okay, so let's let's jump away from the movies. I feel we we've talked about the movies quite a lot. Um, we have like that the animated Thomas Waynes. Um, so the first one you mentioned was the uh, the is it the the death from Super Friends or whichever uh, one the it is. Su- from... Yeah, the the superpowers team, Galactic Guardians, nineteen eighty five. Jesus Christ! I think in this one, Batman is voiced by Adam West again, which is always good. Is he in um, the nineteen eighty five one? I'm pretty sure. Like when we we watched that scene, I, I'm pretty sure it was Adam West's voice when when he was doing. Well, uh, it. I don't know about the one in 1985, but Adam, I know Adam West did do the voice of Thomas Wayne in uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Oh, and that's great. Martha Wayne was actually uh, was voiced by Julie Newmar. 
Which is, oh, is Catwoman. Really cool. That yeah, Catwoman. is cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, the the generally Batman the animated series, you know, the the Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill Batman series, like is always regarded as the best Batman because the the same thing I was saying yeah. about Batman Forever, right? Where Batman Forever takes the character's ridiculous aspects and his darker aspects and then p- kind of puts them together the animated series does that um perfectly it's not messing around with nipples or anything like that it's just <laughs> like it is the best batman because they they do take the character seriously but they're not afraid to have fun with it um yeah because when they show they show the death of the waynes in batman the animated series it's in a sort of a nightmare yeah, flashback kind of thing. If you, did you see it? Yes. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. That, so it's like Batman is back at that scene, and he w- watches his parents walking towards like a tunnel, like a dark tunnel. Mm. And obviously, he knows what's going to happen. He's like, "No, don't go in there." Yeah. And then this tunnel, tunnel kind of morphs and grows into this giant gun. Yeah. Which then, and then the the, the bat, the you know, the hammer cocks, and then bang! And he's like, "No!" Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a bit more, yeah, very more, much more nightmarish. That's kind of how I, I would imagine these kind of things playing out in the human psyche. Not just like a, a memory of exactly how it happened, but you know, through, through tragedy, especially as a child, mm. your, your mind would kind of morph it and warp it into something a bit much more disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. The, again, the animated series is near perfect. Um, I, I will fairly regularly, if I'm having dinner and I've got nothing to watch, just go, I'll put on an episode of Batman. Because you could just drop into any episode and you know it's going to be good. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I think we can leave that because it's it's always perfect. Um, so let's jump to the really controversial um, incarnation and go to Flashpoint. Oh yes. So That's we'll fun. we'll talk. Uh, we could talk about the comics, but it's a bit more in detail. So should we just go with you know if we we'll just put an amalgamation of the comics and the, the cartoon together and just talk about it more. Because okay, you know, sure. it's ba- it's basically the same, but uh, well, do you want to explain what happens in in the Flashpoint comic? No, I think that's that's definitely your ballpark, sir. <laughs> Great, I was, I was hoping you would say that. Okay, I knew you would. <laughs> okay, so so what happens is, <laughs> oh my god, here we go! <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! The Flash runs back in time to to save his mum's murder. In stopping his mum from being murdered, he breaks the time stream because comics. Um, in breaking <laughs> the time stream, he alters a whole bunch of, of events that caused the DC universe to evolve into the thing we know it as today. Um, because of what he does, there is a ripple that uh, causes Kal-El's, Superman's, ship to uh, miss the farm of John and Martha Kent. And Martha and land instead <laughs> uh, straight into Metropolis, I think, just leveling Metropolis um, like an asteroid. Uh, but also, it m- causes the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne to play out differently. Um, in the Flashpoint version, when Joe T- Chill goes to, to mug the Waynes, he kills Bruce instead of killing uh, Thomas and Martha, which is a really nice twist because it's kind of incredible that in 75 years of Batman, we had never seen that. Um, never seen it go any differently, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had never played out that way. And what we see is that uh, Thomas uh, then 
goes full Jeffrey Dean Morgan on on the, the mugger yeah. and just Tumbles annihilates the, the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> destroys him completely. Um, while Martha is there grieving and crying and her hands are covered in Bruce's blood as her tears fall onto his corpse. She's like shaking him like, wake up, wake up. And she just, she can't take it anymore. She puts her hand over her mouth to try and stop herself from crying. But as Thomas turns around to comfort her, she looks up and her her tears and her her face morph from sadness into hysterical laughter. And the blood has formed a, a, a red smudge of a joker clown smile on her face and we know that the uh, thomas wayne will go on to become batman and martha wayne will will go on to be the joker in this uh uh flashpoint alternate dystopia yeah. Um, which is really cool it is really cool it's, it's one so of, cool yeah they, they do lots of like the elseworld comics which are kind of alternate world comics and marvel did a lot of what ifs and especially recently, Marvel did a new series of what ifs, and they were just lame. It was like, what if Thor had been raised by frost giants instead of by Odin? I'm like, that could be cool. And then I, I read it, and I'm like, it's not cool. It was lame. Um, <laughs> but like this Flashpoint alternate world, like this Thomas and Martha Wayne bit especially, is is really well done. Um what did you think about it? I'm pretty sure I, uh, we watched this film together a while ago. Yeah, you showed it to me at your house, yeah. 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 And yeah, I thought it was... I I never uh, I hadn't read Flashpoint at that point. I think we were talking about it, and you were like, oh my god, there's an animated version, we can just watch that. Yeah. So we did, yeah, and I thought it was super cool, and it immediately made me want to go and delve into that universe and, and read more about the Thomas Wayne Batman and the Martha Wayne Joker and mm. see all the crazy hijinks they get up to. Yeah, but it's just really cool that they... Because I mean, if it, if they wanted to do a, um, what sort of, like you say like a what if kind of thing, they they could have made it lame, yeah, it could have been boring, but they somehow managed to do it in a way that actually was exciting and cool, and as a fan, really got me excited for for something new. Whereas yes. normally you want you kind of, I was what was I watching? I've been watching the Punisher, the Netflix series of the Punisher, and it, it's great. Like as like a drama. And it's well written and well acted, and it's it's really entertaining. But what I'm finding it's lacking is a bit of the fan, mo- the few fan moments. Yes, you know, like if, in when he was in uh, the Daredevil series, and then you sh- he showed up with the Punisher logo on his thing, like ah yes, amazing, finally. And we, uh, you often, I often find that when I'm watching anything that's based off comic books, I want to see those moments that, as a fan, I go, I recognise that. That's cool. They're doing the thing that we all know. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, you know, it's just a cool thing. I can't think of a better way to describe it. Really, it's just cool. So when when the, they go off piste and do something different and try and adapt something and change some law in some quite dramatic way, there's always that fear of like, oh, but what if they ruin the thing that we love? And what if they ruin all of this history? Mm. So so when they do something that actually is exciting and new and cool, you're like, oh, I feel better about this happening in the future now like, if, like yeah. if, if this can if it can be done this well then more power to them yeah i think what's really really great about this version of thomas wayne in flashpoint is that we have seen many times how the death of his parents affected bruce and the murder you know the, the fact that they were shot is what forced batman to never use a gun right he doesn't kill people because his parents were killed he hates guns because his parents were shot and that is one of his defining characteristics 
For Thomas Wayne, we see the opposite situation, where because his son was killed with a gun, Thomas Wayne exclusively uses guns, right? Yeah. Like, that's, what, that's one of the kind of interesting things, is that in this, this dystopia, like, nightmare of a world where everything has gone wrong, Batman has changed from being, uh, you know, someone who doesn't kill to someone who will almost exclusively kill. Um, and it's a really interesting version because, again, we see Gotham City and what Gotham City has become. And as we know from, say, the Christopher Nolan Batman and from other versions, the Thomas Wayne that we know was someone who wanted to build a better Gotham. But in Flashpoint, Thomas Wayne is shown to be r- running casinos, and like that has a seedy undertone for what Gotham has become, um, rather yeah. than trying to you know uh, save Gotham. Thomas Wayne has embraced the corruption of the city itself and internalized that. And Gotham has reflected the darkness within Thomas Wayne, rather than you know his optimism that we had known he was trying to turn it into before, which I think is really cool. I think that's a really cool, um, yeah, yeah, a really cool little bit. Um, is, what's Absolutely. also really cool. What's also really good about it is normally in the what ifs, you just jump into the world and you just go, yeah, okay. In this one, Batman's his dad, but we're in Flashpoint, we we're looking from the perspective of Barry Allen, the Flash, because he's gone back in time and changed the world or, or whatever. Um, so uh, Thomas Wayne isn't the focal point of the book. He's a side character. He's a, a very prominent side character. But because we're seeing it from the perspective of, of Barry Allen, who is a good friend to Bruce, like they're Justice League members together, they've been, you know, superheroes together for, for years and years and years. Um, Barry can't believe what he's seeing. And th- there's a, a great bit in the Flashpoint cartoon, I can't remember if it's in the book, but it, it might be, uh, where... Uh, where Barry Allen is like, you're the Bruce Wayne, uh, sorry, you're the Bruce Wayne, you're the James Bond of superheroes, right? <laughs> Which is like such a cool, because it's so true, Batman is the, the James Bond, of, that's why we like him so much. Like, he's cool, he's got all the gadgets, he's got an awesome car, he's got, there's like beautiful women everywhere, he's like a super spy. Um, <laughs> but then you look at Thomas Wayne and he's not like that at all. He's more like, I don't know, he's like a, a Jason Bourne, but a bad Jason Bourne, you know? It's, um, yeah, it, he's a really a really cool character because he's just brutality. Um, yes. Yeah, it's just sheer brute force put into a man. Um, but there's still like there's still some element of a question of the morality of it, right? Like, like you say, Bruce Wayne in the in the universe that we're all familiar with, he doesn't use guns because his parents were killed, and he doesn't kill because his parents were killed by yeah, all that stuff. So in this version, Thomas Wayne. He do, he is brutal because that's what he feels like the criminal world deserves, right? Mm. It's like they don't deserve anything less. So he's not he's not operating as a villain. He's operating as, still as a, as a vigilante and as a yeah. sort of, but then sort of more of an anti-hero where he he does what he feels is necessary and what he feels is just. Yeah, it just happens to be that that is a. Oh, that it's an it raises an interesting question about in a moment of tragedy. Like the 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 killing of someone in your immediate family, as a child, how do you uh, deal with it? How do you adapt? Mm. How do, what do you take through the rest of your life? Versus if you're an adult and you a child, your child is taken from you. Mm. 
is is the is the break the break in your spirit different yeah you know like they yeah. say children can adapt to anything and i think that's that's probably close to quite close to the truth whereas if you're already a full-grown adult you already understand what the world is and you've brought something into this world that you love more than anything else and then that is taken away from you in an act of violence yeah it's what, it's you, what, like it what would thing... ta- it would take a real linus roach thomas wayne to carry on being philanthropic and empathetic after that <laughs> yeah yeah completely yeah but one one way to kind of look at it is to go because of the, the it's after the world has has been shattered or whatever the timeline has been shattered that thomas wayne that becomes the flashpoint batman is the same thomas wayne as all of the others right all thomas waynes yes. are the same until they die and then they splinter off or or whatever so this is the one thomas wayne that survived so we can assume that he is the same cat the same as all previous thomas waynes which means that up until that point he was still the man he was still the good doctor um he yeah. was still trying to to save gotham with philanthropy um and then when when bruce is killed in front of him like everything he has tried to do for this city has led to you know to his son's death and if if that's what it's going to lean to then i'm just going to shoot everyone <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, like that's what the city i tried i did everything i could to save this city but it's beyond saving um yeah, yeah and i think exactly. that's yeah that's a, a really cool version so uh one final thing that i really like about the flashpoint uh the flashpoint batman is that again because he's with barry allen the flash who is uh a really you know he's he's a hero he's a you know he's a good guy um, and these two play off each other as, as an odd couple, really, throughout Flashpoint. Um, by the end, because Barry Allen is going, no, in my world, your son is alive, and he is Batman, and in this world, he's not alive, and you are Batman, we yeah. get we get that moment where, um, you know, Thomas Wayne begins to realise that this was all, like, Batman was always going to exist. It doesn't matter whether Bruce died or not. Like, they're the same man. So at the end... Uh, Thomas Wayne writes a letter to give to Barry so that when Barry goes back to the real world in, in commas to the real to our Batman he has a letter for Bruce Wayne um, because he knows that his son is alive and there is suddenly yeah. a, there is a hope in this character that didn't exist before and so when we end in when we end Flashpoint um, this character has gone from this you know just hopeless killer to someone who sacrifices himself to to save the world and to give his son another chance. And Flashpoint ends with uh, the Flash in the Batcave uh, giving the, the letter from his father to Bruce Wayne. Bruce, this is the, obviously, it, Bruce is, what, 35 years old by this point, if not maybe a bit older, and he's reading a lost letter from, from his father, from his dead father, um, you know, the, saying how much he loved him and cared for him and, and everything. Um, and then you see Bruce Wayne, a tear drops in his daddy issues moment. Um, and then that's the end oh. of Flashpoint. I think that's a really touching, a really great ending to Flashpoint. Uh, it, it really is, yeah. But then what I, what I wonder is the way the, the con- continuity of comic books and how that works. And sometimes one story arc does not lead into another. What does Bruce Wayne learn or from that letter, from that moment? And if does he change at all? Um, as like as a, a character would have in some sort of arc, does his 
attitude change? Does he become anything different? Or is that in the next run of comics, is he just the Batman that we all know? And that's okay. not can take, taken into continuity. Yeah. Do, do you want me to, to spoil it a little bit more? Yeah, well, I don't mind, but... Okay, well, that's, to, yeah, well that's, that's, what, that's what we're here for, I guess. So yeah. um, it, it kind of... Uh, when Flash did all of this, it reset the Mar- uh, the, the DC Universe... Uh, I always called it the Marvel Universe. That would have been bad. Um, they reset the, reset the DC Universe and they started a whole new series where everybody was young again. It was kind of stupid. But the, the new Batman series was really good. They didn't touch on that letter very much until quite recently where they did the button storyline, the crossover between uh, oh, yeah, you Flash and Batman. Yes. In in the button, they are crossing over the Flash and Batman, and they're crossing it over because of the smiley face button from Watchmen. If you people are listening to this podcast, there is a lot to unpack about comics that you might not know, so I do apologize <laughs> for that. But uh, they're, they're tying in Watchmen to, to Batman and, and to The Flash. Um, and there is this button the, from the, the Watchmen books that the Batman has. It's a complicated thing. Um, but in, in this book, the button, the Flash and Batman and Bruce Wayne end up going back to the Flashpoint world. And in the Flashpoint world, they meet Flashpoint Batman in the Batcave. Um because the Flash knows this is Thomas Wayne, um, they they hit it off again. And then you have... It's only one issue that they get together. But in this one issue, you get Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne Batman fighting side by side. Oh, um, cool. And it's a, it's a really great issue. Because they're fighting and Thomas Wayne is using a gun. And Bruce Wayne is like, we don't use guns. And you have all of these like amazing moments. And... Uh, again the ending to that is perfect I think as as this comes to an end um, Bruce turns to his father and says I just want to tell you I have a son and you're a grandfather which I think is a really beautiful character moment because then we have Damian Wayne and when you know the the story arc of Damian Wayne who is one of the Robins Damian Wayne himself starts as a killer and then transitions over to becoming a hero like kind of, he is much more like Thomas Wayne Batman to begin with, but then becomes the the hero that he needs to be. Uh, Damian Wayne's a really cool character. Um, so we have this like, oh, you have a grandson, you know, I, I'm a father moment, which is really beautiful. And then Thomas Wayne turns to his son and says, essentially says, I did this for you, and you became Batman to honor me, and I am telling you now, stop. He said. He says to says to, he says to Bruce Wayne, uh, "Whatever you wanted to do, I am proud of you. I love you. Stop doing this because you lose your life to being Batman, and just live your life and be happy." And Whoa. that is a really great moment, and that does go on to impact what happens later in the comics because then Batman goes um, basically says you know uh, screw all of this i'm gonna marry catwoman <laughs> because they've had they've had this love for so long but he's not he can't marry catwoman because he's busy being batman you know it's it's a whole thing but, but the end of the dark knight rises he just give yeah 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 let's like, well, not talk about the dark knight rises for god's sake but <laughs> you know, but uh yeah that's a really nice 
uh, a really perfect kind of daddy issues moment, I think. You finally get, you know, a father who lost his son, a son who lost his father, and you have this this time together where they can say, um, no, you, you don't have to you don't have to try and make me proud anymore. You have made wow. me proud. Now go and live so your that, life and, and be yeah. happy. I see that's the kind of thing I came into this recording with my stance was I get that this is a huge impactful moment in, in media uh, in terms of uh, father-son relationships, and that's the whole point of this podcast. But this one never really affected me as as things like The Lion King have done. Yeah. And I wanted to get into why, and mostly that's because we've I've, I grew up watching it in flashback. I grew up watching the relationship begin and end in two minutes. And how can you gain any kind of... Uh, how can you feel any kind of affectation for that kind of relationship when it's not been given the time that you need in order to, you know, to, in order to care about it? And a comparison I would make, and I know this is not a film everyone likes, but I really like Man of Steel. Okay, I think it's great. And <sighs> that I know, I know. And the, but when Jonathan Kent dies in Man of Steel, I get choked up every single time because we've had half the film of a father-son relationship and Clark Kent getting older, and you know. You get invested. Yes. Um, but with Batman, until Batman Begins, which came out in 2005 when I was old, <laughs> like that, like I didn't, like that didn't have the, the, uh, it didn't, it couldn't affect me in that way because I've already been desensitized to it over years and years and years of just little snippets of bang, bang, oh, and now he's Batman. Yeah. But having said all that, if there was an on screen uh, adaptation of that, moment you've just described to me where of the Batmans together and Thomas Wayne offering some kind of fatherly mm. reconciliation mm. I can imagine myself tearing up it's <laughs> yeah I, I was getting a little bit I was getting a little bit wobbly just listening to you describe it but that is something yeah. I think's been been missing from from the Batman chronology until that moment yeah yeah it's a really really a beautiful moment and we get similar things with like super again in man of steel you know he gets to see uh jor-el a couple of times like through hologram or whatever but we don't re I, that feeling that connection isn't really there um but it's, it's tom king who is writing uh writing the the batman in in this incarnation and yeah it's a really great reunion because then the flash and bruce wayne leave and uh, the world is about to collapse, basically. Um, and they're like, Bruce is like, come with me. Like, come come with me and, and live in, in our world together. And Thomas Wayne is like, that's your world. In my world, all I've seen, you know, is, is death and destruction. And if I come with you, then that is what I will be bringing with me. So you get this final scene of, you know, the world is collapsing and uh, Thomas Wayne runs into the destruction like yeah. sc- like furiously screaming because that's the kind of guy he is um <laughs> and i th- i think that's a, a yeah that's a really perfect ending for that iteration of the character um there are some other ones again the the telltale in the telltale batman games um thomas wayne is shown to have been assassinated by carmine falcone who is the bad guy again in batman batman begins this the same gangster from batman begins um he's uh he's been assassinated by Car- carmine falcone because the Waynes were working with the Falcone crime family to and the mayor of Gotham to keep control of the city. Thomas Wayne was definitely a, a bad dude in that one. Um, 
But yeah, you, know, you get uh, the the story of that one is Bruce Wayne coming to terms with with his dad not being the person that he thought he was, um, which is is an interesting storyline. Um, yeah, that's but, something I think we can relate to. Like, yeah, there's, there's definitely. I don't know if we brought it up in the last podcast. <coughs> Excuse me, but there is there's all that moment in in a in a in a man's life mm. where you kind of you you kind of understand and see who your dad is as a man, just as a person, as a human yeah. being, and not as your father. You, know, you you can kind of differentiate between those two roles a bit better. Um, so yeah, something going back there yeah, to have Batman go through that kind of a similar thing, obviously in a much more exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was a good guy, but really he was a crook, as opposed yeah. to just I thought my dad was a superhero. Turns out he's a guy, and I'm a guy, and we have that in common. I can empathise a bit better now. Mm. But yeah, I think that's that's kind of cool. I guess it's lucky for Batman that in the one world where his dad was alive, he was also Batman. <laughs> yeah, like, like in in terms of being able to relate to somebody, like yeah, that's exactly. pretty convenient. <laughs> like, yeah, what if it went the other way, and what if, um, you know, Thomas Wayne became the Joker instead, and then yeah, Bruce Wayne and Thomas yeah. Wayne have to face off in that eternal opposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Martha Wayne Joker is is a really great, um, a really great film. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed not to see more of um, Martha Wayne as the Joker mm. in the Flashpoint animated film yeah and I, yeah I was, I'd, I'd like to seek out more of that i think that'd be very yeah. cool yeah it is a cool little thing we haven't spoken that much about the marthas today i know this is more of a a, a daddy orientated thing yeah. yeah it is a daddy thing but um the the marthas definitely have a big impact i think martha wayne is often overlooked in in especially in the movies and stuff um whereas in superman martha wayne uh, sorry martha kent always gets much more of a a prominent role because uh, Jonathan Kent always dies. Sometimes, yeah. yeah, the the death of Martha Kent is a little bit, yeah, she's normally alive for a little bit longer than, than her husband. So, um, yeah, Martha Kent is definitely, I think, gets more of a, a good showing and has more of an impact than Martha Wayne. Um, yeah, Clark's a bit of a mummy's boy. Yeah, he is, he is. Yeah, I think Bruce is, uh, yeah, is definitely ticking after his father a little bit more. Um, some Often to his detriment, I think. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But I think in Man of, Man of Steel, uh, Clark is doing the same thing. He's trying to embody the the lessons that Jonathan Kent taught him, because um, he never knew. He obviously never knew Jor-el until the, yeah. the timeline of the movie. So yeah, I think that's, in terms of a father's thing, I kind of that's what I like at Man of Steel for that for that mm. term, for that in that respect. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that brings our discussion of of the most murdered man in media to uh, to a close yeah. right yeah perfect okay so yeah, it's thomas been, it's been a pleasure yeah it has thomas wayne we we hardly knew you and when we did know you you were a murdering psychopath though so, so thank you yeah thank you or, very much or, or a skinny philanthropist yeah that's very true very true. <laughs> we knew him briefly also okay thank you for listening to daddy issues oh do we have a topic that we want to discuss next week or have we not decided yet i don't think we've decided yet Oh, what Man of Steel! Oh, why don't we do a bonus mini episode about about Jonathan Kent? We Just like do that, yeah. a, a cheeky, a cheeky little extra thing to pan out. A little addendum. Great. Okay, then, then we'll do that. Then we will see you next time for the next episode of Daddy Issues, all about my lesser favorite father in DC Comics, Jonathan <laughs> Kent. Bye. Bye bye.